This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 8, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Low-cost private schools for the world's poor could revolutionize education across the globe. And James Tooley, author of the Cato book, The Beautiful Tree, has provided a powerful witness to how the poorest in the world are helping themselves. We spoke yesterday. For people who aren't familiar with the work that you've done, what has been your focus over uh, the last few years and what are you moving into now? So, so the beautiful tree is really a celebration. It's a celebration of what the poor in some of the poorest countries of this world are doing for themselves about education. Go to public schools, government schools, um, and you'll find what well, parents tell tell me when I was doing this research. Parents told me their children are abandoned in the public schools. And so what do they do? Do they acquiesce in that sort of mediocrity? No. They do something about it. Entrepreneurs, civil society within these poor communities set up private schools. These private schools are affordable to the poor and children go to these in huge numbers. Perhaps 70% of poor children are going to these private schools in countries like Ghana, Nigeria, Kenya, India. And these, these schools outperform the private ones at a fraction of the cost. So the book is a celebration of this spirit of self-help, spirit of enterprise that's, that's there in the uh, developing world. I think people in the developed world would hear that description and find it pretty hard to believe. Yeah. I, I mean, I give talks in America. I'm here on a, on a, on a 10-day tour. And yes, half the people I've spoken to really don't, almost don't want to believe it. And that was the story when I was doing the research that led to the book. When I would, you know, I'd start talking about this work and people would say, private schools are for the rich. Private schools are for the elite. That's not true. That's not true across the developing world. Private schools are serving people on the poverty line. We've worked out very accurately people on the poverty line and below can afford these private schools not, so the perception of private schools that we have in this country is completely false. Your book did pretty well here in the United States, but became a bestseller uh, in India. And, and how have people responded in India to uh, the results of your research? Well, I, I think unlike here, you, you said the perception here, people find it hard to believe. Sure. As people say private schools can be pro-poor, private schools could even exist for the poor. Of course, if you're in India, I mean, a, a famous politician, I won't mention his name, but said to me, there's not one, not one parent in India today who sends his or her children to a public school, a government school, by choice. It's well known that the private alternative is there. It's booming. It's, it's uh, something the parents covet, the parents want. So... In India, it's a different story, and, and the rest of Africa, you know, it's and in Africa and other parts of the world, there's not the same perception. There's more openness, particularly amongst the poor, I'd have to say, about this private, uh, you know, the private alternative. So the book came out uh, a couple of years ago. What uh, what have you been doing in that time intervening between the hardback and now, of course, it's available in paperback as well? Yeah. So, uh, but basically, this has proven to be my life's work. I've just uh, I'm a I'm a one trick pony. I've just carried on in a sense. Now we one of the criticisms, and there were many criticisms of the book, the research. But one was okay. You've shown us in Ghana, in Kenya, in India, this is happening. 
private schools for the poor. But now Ghana, Kenya, India, they're all they're coming up. You know, they, these are the success stories in Africa and, and Asia. Um, what about the poorest of the poor? Um, so we took that. I took that criticism seriously, and decided to investigate what's happening in some of you know. No one can dispute the most difficult countries on this planet conflict and post-conflict countries in Africa. So we've continued the research in Sierra Leone, Liberia, and South Sudan. And finding in the studies that we've been doing, it ranges between 60, 70, and 80% of children in the studies now in those places are in private schools. The same picture that we found elsewhere. A really exciting picture, I think, in these poorest countries. Terrific challenges, terrific places to work the private alternative is still there. So that's research. But I've also been trying, if you like, some experiments based on the assumption, okay, the research that we did for the book showed that the private schools were better than the government schools, the public schools. But people said, people within the schools said, that's quite a low bar you're comparing us with. You know, in the public schools, teachers don't turn up. If they do turn up, they don't teach. You know, of course, we're going to be better than that but we can be better still. So we've been trying different ways of seeing how the schools can improve. And one of the ways is to create chains of schools. So in other words, a for-profit company running many schools to see if with economies of scale, sharing information, um, we can raise investment and therefore go to scale with a model that's better than existing private schools. And I've, I've started one in, in India, the Empathy Learning Systems, one in Ghana, has taken four years to go from zero to 37 schools and 20,000 children. And we've raised investment now to go to a much larger scale. Independent research shows we're outperforming other schools. Um, and, and we feel very proud. I've, I feel very proud of that model that with a Ghanaian partner we've, cr I've crea we've created together. What are the main impediments at this point to taking these schools that uh, parents like? Obviously, scale is sort of a natural impediment. But in terms of structures that can be changed easily, what stands in the way of making this a much broader model? But you must accept it's already a scale, it's a sustainable and it's gone to scale. I mean, estimates vary, but there could be 300,000 of these schools, low-cost private schools in India alone. There could be 100,000 in Anglophone West Africa. So it's, it's not as if they're a, a small concern. They're already huge. Sure, sure. But I, I, think, I think the main impediment, well, if you talk to school proprietors, one of the things, they, they, they come up with two things, really. One is finance. You know, they they, they always feel the need to, you know, more finance can improve, put a roof on, a better roof, a computer lab, other new classroom. So finance is definitely an impediment. Finance can be solved. People are getting into this space now. Um, someone has created the Indian School Finance Company in, in, in India to help finance these schools. There are companies like Edify working in Ghana and other parts of Africa lending to these schools. So there are ways of solving the finance problem. Regulation, government regulation is the other big impediment. Um, in, in Lagos, Nigeria, um, I was, the, the, the private schools have formed a federation called AFED, the Association of Formidable Education Development. AFED was explicitly created in order to fight the government, I mean, to lobby the government, which was trying to close them down. 
They've got 3,000 members, and I'm the patron of this federation, 3,000 low-cost private school members. And over the years, we've been talking to government, showing them research, explaining what these private schools are doing, trying to see, let government see them as a positive partner. And now the government has seen them as a positive partner and has basically embraced them as part of meeting the education for all targets. That's a huge success story. Other governments are not as amenable and still are unsure or ambivalent about these low-cost private schools. And regulations sometimes get in the way. In India, there's a new regulation, the Right to Education Act, which, although it sounds a beautiful act, the name is beautiful, it actually might impede private schools, low-cost private schools, which are already meeting the needs of the poor. So regulation is, a, is, is and can be, and potentially can be, a huge problem so liberalizing reg regulatory regimes to help this sector thrive and serve the poor in even greater numbers is desirable. James Tooley is author of the Cato book, The Beautiful Tree, now out in paperback. You can get your copy at cato.org.